are podcasting. I'm Will. My name's Joe. And this is Hedges and Highways. No. <laughs> Have you ever read your Bible? It's, it's Highways and Hedges. Highways. <laughs> no, don't keep it. This is lovely. All right. Um, so today we are talking about our lives in small towns. I'm actually not from a small town, but we'll get into that. Um, so, and the purpose of this is one to give everyone listening a little bit more context about who we are just as individuals. Um, but also if you're listening to this podcast, you are a either from a city or B not from a city. It's basically as <laughs> there are simple only two as kinds that. Of people in the world. That's right. <laughs> so, um, if you do live in a city, it, this is going to give you a glimpse of w- what is life in a rural area actually like. Um, but then again, if you aren't from a city, if you're from a rural area or a small town, um, I think part of what we want to do is we want to help you appreciate what you have and not overlook um, the kind of things that God is doing among you and can do among you, um, things like that. So anyway, um, just to get us started off, Joe, where did you grow up? Usually when I answer that, I talk about where I lived until I was about 10 years old. So I grew up in a small town in north central Missouri of about 350 people. Okay, cool. How about you? Where did you grow up? Where did I grow up? Um, So I grew up in western Nebraska. Um, I said I didn't grow up in a small town. I grew up on a ranch. Um, So there was a unincorporated town, um, which just meant that, I I guess it basically meant there wasn't enough people there to actually have a population. You know how cities have like a little population number right underneath there, the name of the city, well, it just said unincorporated. So there was a post office. There were a couple people who lived there. There was a, a school building. There was a community building. Um, it, it used to be a bigger town. There used to be a gas station there, but um, it was it was no more. So anyway, so that was eight miles, you know, to the north of us, and then um, to the south of us, about fifteen miles was a what was a, a decent sized town, um, small town, but. So that's where we would, you know, do some of our grocery shopping and stuff. That but, sounds a lot like where I grew up. The, the small town I was in had the post office, had the high school for the area. They had um, a gas station the whole time I was there. So we were a little ahead of you guys. Um, my grandpa ran the grocery store and the barber shop and the pool hall. And uh, I don't think that we had any other services in town. I think that was it. And then not far away, you could drive if you wanted to go to Walmart, which was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, our Walmart was 45 minutes away. And so, you know, we would, I don't know, probably go there once a month or something and just make a big trip, get a get a whole bunch of groceries because we could get them at Walmart a little cheaper than at the other grocery stores. And so that would be our, our big Walmart run. Yeah. Um, so we would do that. So what was what was... What was it like for you growing up in a small town? Um, well, the um, I think the thing that will stick out the most, especially for people who aren't in small towns, is how small social circles are. If you talk to anyone <clears throat> from small towns, they say everybody knows everybody. There's no private business because it's just such a small place that, uh, yeah, you just have very small social circles. I really had... Uh, I, I had... 
friendships, but probably the, the two that I'd still say were really good friends, I probably only had two, two really good friends in the small town who were about my age. Um, and so just spent a lot of life wanting to hang out with them, ride bikes together, uh, catch frogs together. I, uh, <laughs> so one, one funny thing was like, what just <laughs> it, a very big deal to me at one time was really wanting to own a snapping turtle. And, uh, my, <laughs> my buddy was lived next to a Creek and he had caught a couple of them. And I, uh, I was never able or brave enough to catch these little baby snapping turtles. They were like, half dollar size little snapping turtles but he caught them and was willing to sell them to me so I got two snapping turtles for three bucks and uh, that was a, a big exchange that happened in the social circles <laughs> of, uh, of small town life like that was uh, yeah that was a big deal for me and him he was starting a snapping turtle selling business and I was his first customer and uh, it was just uh, I yeah I just look back on that and laugh and remember that you know small town life is um, small things look bigger small things matter more. So just some examples are like growing up in a small town, um, you know, you're not, um, you're not oblivious to social differences like wealth or poverty or those kind of things. It's just that the, the amount of difference is more dramatic. So like what I'm trying to say is like growing up in a small town, I knew which of the kids in town had a, a pool in their backyard and that was a big deal there's maybe one or two kids in town that had a, a swimming pool or we knew which kids could um you know which of the kids had athletic pants for our t-ball team and which of us had to wear holy jeans and you know just the the social dynamics that happened in friendships um revolved around what what looked like really small things but when you're in the small town it feels like really big things so i i always um liked to pride myself in my small town as being a country boy. I, uh, you know, had my mud boots and uh, I knew how to catch a garter snake and they didn't scare me. And, you know, those kind of things made me feel like I was, that was my identity. My social identity was being the the country boy, which I, I wasn't. I'm not like, I'm, I'm just trying to describe like what life in a small town was like. It's just, I think what makes it stick out is that things that are really small, end up becoming bigger deals because you're trying to fit into a social group. And even though you're all very, very similar, um, you end up bringing up bigger differences to try to make yourself invent yourself or whatever. How would you say um, these small social circles, how would you say they positively and negatively impact relationships? Like what are the pros and cons of just a small social circle? Yeah, that's... um, the reason it's hard to answer that like in, in any helpful way is that I was so young when I left that at the time when I lived there, I wouldn't have reflected on um, my friendships and how they were affecting me that much. And so I can just kind of, in retrospect, try to look back and give some guesses, you know. And I would, yeah. what I'd say is like, because small towns require you to be friends with the people who are actually in your area it's not like you can just go shopping for friends and find you know the people that you like spending time with at your school and so you hang out with them and not others you basically are friends with everyone your age because those are the only people around you yeah that's like positive because it's it's teaching you how to um react with people that you wouldn't you know uh 
that are hard to get along with. You're, you're learning real relational skills because you're having to relate to people who are different from you or yeah. who disagree with you and your family on different issues and stuff. Learning how to love them as a person and interact with them um, in a real way, um, yeah, is is great. I think that the unhealthy thing and probably the thing that makes a lot of people look down on small towns or um, makes people want to get out of small towns is that um, when your social circle is small, you start putting a lot of import in small things. You care a lot about small things. We're the, I'm the country kid. I'm the, I'm the one who's brave enough to pick up a snake. That doesn't matter at all. You know, in the scheme of eternity, the fact that I could pick up the snake and my friend couldn't mattered a lot to me at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're, that people just, you know, disdain that. When you, when you get into the bigger world and realize there are bigger things that matter there are bigger differences. Okay, this kid had a pool in his backyard. When you get out into the world, you know, it's more about, I've got a multi-million dollar home. How is that comparable? People over here in a small social circle are bickering about tiny differences. Whereas when you step into the bigger world, you know, there's bigger differences. And so that can, that can be an unhealthy part of um, a, a tight, a small social circle is that you just become um, consumed with things that don't matter because you're trying to it's sinful. You're trying to set yourself apart so you can look down on other people or be, you know, have an identity in something that's not Christ. So, yeah. but like I said, that's just retrospect. I don't know. Do you feel like there were, what were your social circles like? And would you say they were good or bad for you in your rural yeah. context? So, so growing up on a ranch, <clears throat> there are, there were a lot of other ranchers in the area. And so even though you didn't live super close to anybody else. Um, we would we would interact with each other. You know, we would go help each other work cattle, vaccinate them, process them, move them around. So there were things like that. Um, our community building that was in the in the little town. Um, I remember we would there would be different events. There would be. Um, like there were a couple of years we had like a talent show and so everybody got together and so it was basically a big community potluck. Um, I mean, there, there's some, there's some really cool things as I think back about those kind of dynamics of that, that community, um, where we, we would all get together and work all day, you know, processing cattle. And then at the end of the day, you all share a big meal together and just kind of the, the friendships that form through those working relationships and just spending time together swapping stories just there's there's a lot of that that i miss um Mm -hmm. i was just thinking you know we we just had an election not that long ago and i remember it was kind of the tradition that um you would go vote at the community building and then you know some of the local ladies would make pies and so after you cast your ballot you'd go over and you'd get a slice of pie and so you know there's just little things like that that um you know, you, you wouldn't find in a, a larger town or a city, but, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, one thing that, that just came to mind now, I, I think if something, I think if something tragic happens in a small town, um, that can, that can really devastate a community, you know, I mean, not that, not that it, it doesn't heal, but I'm just thinking of when, when there's a, a, a death or some sort of, um, or even some sort of crime is committed, or, or you find find out something about someone that you didn't know, that can really, um, maybe because it's so close-knit, 
that it, it can have a more damaging effect throughout the community. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I, I, it's like if, if something, if you read on the news that, you know, something big bad happened, you know, in, in your city, it's just, well, that's just, you don't know that person from anybody else. But when it's actually, you know, the people who are involved, then it, it starts to just, I mean, quite literally hit closer to home. Yeah. So I, I can see, I can see the, the pros and cons of that. Um, yeah. Makes sense. So do you have any funny stories where you had to buy a snapping turtle from a friend <laughs> to start snapping your uh, <laughs> snapping turtle business? Uh, no, we, I mean, we were the one. We owned the snapping turtle business. <laughs> um, no, we didn't. It wasn't snapping turtles, but there there was a time where we would catch garter snakes and we would catch, um, I, don't, I don't know what kind of turtle they were. Um, box turtles is maybe what they were called, but we would we would catch them and there was a guy who would um, buy them from us and so we actually we had a uh, an old bathtub which is where we would keep the turtles and so we would throw them like watermelon rinds or cantaloupe rinds and chew on that so yeah wow. <laughs> yeah that was wow. that was us too wow that's so. cool so why I, I just think it's um interesting to think about personally why you moved away from there um in part just because i I like our listeners to see what a a normal natural flow it is for um small communities to raise up their next generation and then a lot of that generation leaves i uh, the little bit of reading i've done so far shows that a lot of young people end up leaving small town communities The, the the biggest thing that small town communities face is a lack of personnel because so many people are moving away. Um, but I don't think statistics are that interesting. I think it's more interesting to know just like personally, what was the story of you growing up and then you just didn't stay there? Why, why did you leave? Yeah. Um, well, it was just, I, I've kind of always just taken whatever the next open door was right in front of me. I've never had like a deliberate long-term plan that I've tried to aim for. Um, I finished up high school and then that summer I worked for a neighbor um, bailing hay for him and during that time I um, I had actually planned to go to a community college but I guess the circumstances of that summer, um, one, I, I procrastinating and signing up for classes so I couldn't sign up for some of the classes that I wanted to take. Um, but then also the the moisture came late that season and so the, the hay kind of came later. And so um, I wanted to go ahead and keep, you know, keep keep working that, that current job and go ahead and finish out the, the harvesting season basically. Um, and so that that kind of put my immediate college plans on hold, even though I was planning to go to that community college. Um, and I, it must have been just at that time I decided I wanted to go to a Bible college. And so, um, or maybe that had been my plan after community college. I don't I don't remember at this point. But um, my cousin was living in Missouri, and my um, sister and I decided decided to go visit. Um, that's that would have been the first time I met you, Joe. Hmm. Is when was that visit? Do yeah, yes, that so that you initial were planning to move. No, I point. wasn't. I wasn't planning to move at that point. Well, we just we just took a road trip and visited them, huh. and so because my cousin was leading the college ministry um, that I now work with, 
and you were a student leader at that time, and so we were, I guess we were just all sitting in um, my cousin's living room, and yeah. Yeah. you were pretty friendly, so I thought that was cool. Um, but yeah, so my sister decided to move out to Missouri, and then I had another cousin who moved out uh, to Missouri, and so I was just kind of like, well, shoot, everything's happening out there, so um, I just kind of wanted to join the fun. Anyway, so I, I moved out here, and then eventually... Um, got accepted to a Bible college in Minneapolis and then went up there and then um, one of the summers I came back to Missouri and was working at a dairy here and then started dating um, the woman who I would later marry and then um, yeah went back finished up my degree up in Minneapolis and then moved back to work at the campus ministry Um, so I don't know it was it was kind of hopping around um, but yeah, that's, that's how I got, got here. And did you ever think about moving back to the ranch? Like, was there ever a time you were tossing that idea around? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Um, my, I mean, my dad, you know, he was, God blessed him where he knew exactly what he wanted to do since he was a kid, you know, he would ride horses and mm-hmm. do everything. So he always wanted to ranch and, um, but he, I mean, I think he just, he never put any pressure on us kids to, you know, just do what he did just because that's what he did. So that, I mean, that was, that was just, you know, a really gift to have that kind of freedom to not feel a pressure to, um, just stay where I was. But so it, it just, you know, ranching wasn't my passion. Um, and so I wanted to go do something else. I wasn't exactly sure what, I mean, maybe I thought I would maybe end up back in Western Nebraska, um, but no, I don't. <laughs> like I said, I didn't. It wasn't really a long-term planner, so it was just kind of like, oh, well, that looks good, so just kind of go over there. Um, yeah. But what about you? So what what took you out of your small town and yeah, how'd you get here? Yeah, I uh, my my dad got a job in what to me was a big city, about over seventy thousand people. And uh, he tried to commute from our small town for a while, but it just was too much of a commute. So we moved away when I was about 10 or 11. Yeah, something like that, um, to move to the big city. And so we came here and um, kind of lived in the country or lived around the big city. And uh, by the time I finished there, or by the time I finished high school, I decided I wanted to go to college. So I left and uh, did four years of school there. And, and worked in the college ministry that Will's talking about and volunteered in that. Um, and then uh, had a desire to be a missionary that I was kind of following up. And so um, after my wife and I got married, we uh, I went to seminary and she was getting some nursing experience and we thought the Lord was calling us overseas. So we were pursuing those options. And uh, similar to you, I think what's helpful here is to show not that I ever considered going back to my small town and just abhorred the idea and rejected it and thought, no, I would never do that. It just never even crossed my mind. It's not like I rejected that opportunity. It just wasn't even considered as an option. I didn't see anything. As I was looking forward to the the future of my life, the only thing that the smaller town held for me was less opportunities. So it just didn't even come up on my radar as should I go back to my small town? Should I not, I, I shouldn't even say, do I, I never asked, do I owe them anything? I, I don't even know if that's the right way to say it. But I'm just saying that 
I think what's helpful about our stories is to show we grew up in small towns. We were blessed in ways I think that we don't even fully realize in our small towns. And uh, when we left them, they just left our radar. Um, it wasn't like there was open angst or, uh, you know, I can't wait to get out of this small town, which is true for some people. Some people can't wait to get out of their small town. They hate small towns. Even the, the town that we're in now that we would consider the big city, there's some people who feel like this is a small town and can't get wait, you know, can't wait to get out of here. Um, but I think it's helpful to show like even the fact that small towns are losing younger people and they're leaving it's not always just out of open disdain for that lifestyle. It's just it never even crossed my mind until about a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I had a I had a question. I lost it. Um, all right. I do. I, I've got a question. If you are open to it, I'm circling back to just talking about the small towns that we're in. I want to know more about our church. I want to share more about our churches. So, can you tell me a little bit about your church experience when you were growing up in rural West Nebraska? Yeah. Um, so the one that I guess what sticks out to me is the church we my family started attending when I was in high school, and that's where I guess. God really was working in my heart in that time to push me back, to actually push me into reading the Bible for myself and having just some of my assumptions challenged. Um, so I, yeah, I, I look back on, on that time and, and really realized it was a, basically a house church that had outgrown a house and that, that same community building that I keep referencing um, where we would vote and have talent shows and all sorts of stuff, we would, we would rent it on Sunday mornings and we would meet in there and have our little church service in there. And uh, the guy who led it was um, bivocational. Um, he was a, an agronomist. Um, and he just loved the Lord and you know, was a reader. And so he would read you know, different theological books and um, yeah God had just really blessed him to, to have a heart to, to teach and to shepherd and so he would um, he would preach on Sundays um, and you know as time went on we, uh, we eventually weren't able to rent that building anymore and so over the summer we were we were just meeting in people's yards, and I think even as the weather got colder, we would we were meeting in somebody's garage with the you know just big heaters turned on, and so you know it's just kind of funny to think back of that's probably not you know a typical person's church experience, but that was that was us just a, a community of people who wanted to grow, and so we just kind of shuffled around wherever we needed to, but um, you know we loved each other and. You know, our pastors loved us. I mean, it, it's cool. I I have it at home still, but every one of the kids in the congregation, um, and I'm not sure how many how many people there would have been at that time. Maybe maybe thirty of us, um, thirty thirty people. I don't know how many how many kids there would have been, but um, every kid got a Bible, like a a nice leather bound ESV Bible, and the all the pastors wrote. Um, uh, just some sort of note in the, the front cover with like a little verse. And so it was just very, um, it was a very unique gift that everybody got their own Bible and it was, 
you know, had everybody's name written in it and a special little note. And I don't know that that was that was impactful. I think just to have have a nice Bible and that's the one that I just I just started reading and diving in deeper and deeper and um, understanding more of who God is and what His Word says through that. Um, so those are I guess those are just little things that stick out of um, really had a, a positive shaping influence in my life and in my faith. Um, so, I, I mean, you know, just back to the point of if you are, if, if you're listening to this and you're from a small town, like, like don't overlook the, the work that God is doing there and don't, yeah, um, yeah I, I, like I hope, hopefully people can appreciate that even, even when you're meeting out, outside in somebody's yard, um, doing your church service out there, like God is still at work and is um, transforming people more and more into His image, and so um, that's a that's a precious thing that that can't be overlooked just because it's in you know middle of nowhere Nebraska. Yeah, right. So, but what about you, Joe? Um, the church there was a small Baptist church in town that my mom had go- grown up going to. My grandma and grandpa were long-standing members there my grandpa's a deacon there so it was very natural for our family to fit into that church when we um, lived in that town um, and I just yeah I remember the um, faithful Sunday school teachers the I remember the pastor's wife being my Sunday school teacher for a long time and um, the just the the faithfulness I think is what sticks out to me steadiness that um, they were there every week, and um, I remember doing VBS with the church in the summers, too, um, and uh, as well as the, the pastor's faithfulness and steadiness, too. Our pastor was um, not formally trained, um, given his life to the Lord while he was in business and left business to go into ministry, and um, was just, I remember even saying as a young boy when he first came to our church, man, this guy just really preaches from the heart. And you could tell that about him, that it wasn't polished. He wasn't really preaching to people's heads. He was preaching to their hearts and their consciences because that's how the word of God had pricked his heart. And I just, yeah, I really appreciated that. Um, And I think what um, the reason things like steadiness and faithfulness stick out to me now, though I wouldn't have seen it at the time as an eight-year-old boy, is because I just now realize the draw as an adult, the draw away from small towns, I I recognize how hard it would be to care about these four grade school kids that show up for your Sunday school class every week. To care like, why why am I gonna invest my mind and my study time in preparing to teach them and preparing to love them and why am I going to be, you know, a part of the community and invest in kids that aren't coming to church or try to reach out to people in the community who aren't in our church? Why am I going to give myself to those things? I just know as an adult, there's a, especially, I think, when you start thinking about being a, a pastor, when you think about, I want to do full-time ministry, I, you, you, you just don't put those things um, on the table, I don't think. It's easy to bypass them, and I'm just really amazed at the the faithfulness of people who were in that church when I was an eight-year-old boy and they're still there and they're still doing the same things and there's not a discontentment or angst about them or a disgruntled that they don't have a bigger 
audience or anything like that. They're holding on faithfully to the gospel. I actually visited that church recently and just encouraged by their um, continued witness um, of the gospel and their, their continual desire to grow in the knowledge of Christ. And I just think the reason I, I'm bringing that up now, the reason that has started to burden me recently is I'm just, I'm realizing um, that they're standing against a tide by doing that. That by going, either staying or going back to a small town and caring about eternal things there is standing against a social tide. There's a social tide that's pulling most of us away from small towns and we, we don't even think about them. We're further down the river. Why would we turn around and go back up the river sort of thing? There's, there's success and opportunities in bigger places. There's bigger social circles, you know, like we started talking about. Um, it's just, it's easy to look back on and be like, what a fool I was to care about who had a, a swimming pool in the town. I'm in a city where so many people have swimming pools. There's bigger fish to fry. I, I matter more here, those kind of things. I recognize that the people who were faithful in my church, the fact that we had someone preaching the gospel there every week, giving himself to preparing those sermons, and that there were Sunday school teachers there who were investing in these little snotty-nosed brats every week and you know, letting them... Uh, just trying to teach them the Bible and be faithful in that. They were, they're standing against the tide, uh, a social tide. And I just appreciate that. And um, I, yeah, I, I don't want that to be neglected. So like you mentioned a minute ago, if you're from a small town and you left your small town or you're in a small town now and you feel that pressure of nothing here really matters, the things that matter are farther down this tide. I want to go with the tide to a bigger city. That might be true if the world is just a material world. And that might be true if um, all that matters is your self-promotion and your success. But for Christians, neither of those things are true. We recognize that um, there are eternal souls in these small towns. We recognize that the, the influence that we can have on other people's souls is probably a lot smaller scope than we'd like to think. That it's the... It's the hard work of real relationships. Like I talked about, one of the benefits of a small town, small community is that you learn to really relate to people through difficulties and overcome those instead of just being like, okay, we burnt bridges here. Let's go find more friends in a different, you know, let's try a different sport. Let's try a different after school activity. You can't really do that. Yeah. Well, in the church, that's even more important. In the church, the, the way that, um, that we disciple each other with mercy, that's something that's been on my mind recently, is through interpersonal interactions and working through those, those challenges and growing together through that. Um, and, that's, and that matters for eternity. That will matter much, much longer than who had a swimming pool, much, much longer than who had six-figure salaries, much, much longer than the tall buildings in the biggest city in your state. All of those things are going to be leveled on judgment day and there'll be some things that are still standing and it's going to be relationships like the ones that are happening in small town churches and i don't mean not in city churches either i just i, I mean that those relationships that are happening in the church that's where eternal things are being built yeah and those will still be standing on the last day yeah. when all these other things that are that the the river of society is running toward those things will all be laid flat and they won't matter at all. And that's why, um, 
yeah, that's, that's why I just want to encourage people who are in small towns to appreciate what's happening there. Maybe open up the eyes of people who are not from small towns who've never thought about a life like yours. You told me the other day you really only had one friend growing up. That's just a, such a small, uh, small uh, social circle. Yeah. It could make you feel like, what, what, what does this matter? This doesn't matter. And I think the Bible would say, no, you're wrong. That matters a lot. And the, the opportunities that you're given to be faithful as a Sunday school teacher in a small town church or a pastor of a small town church are immense. And so just appreciate them. Have the, the biblical perspective on it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, as we wrap up here, is, is there anything that you want to connect this conversation to what you're currently doing, working on? So you, you've started talking in terms of um, the, the kind of ministry that you're wanting to do is, uh, you've got three points. Go ahead, take them away. <laughs> right now, because of the things I've been feeling burdened by, I think there's three different activities that would help share those burdens. One is finding men who will be small town pastors. I don't think that we're putting enough deliberate effort into finding men who will actually stay and serve and, and, and appreciate the work of a small town pastor. And then I want to be able to train those men. I'm not sure that just um, that only offering a seminary track to them will be the best way to train those guys for different reasons. We could talk about that in the future. And then supporting those men. I think that because it's uh, a low impact ministry or not strategic we don't spend a lot of effort trying to strengthen those men for that task and keep them faithful to it and keep their eyes set on hope and heavenly goals. And so we just like to be ambitious about keeping those men zealous for the preaching of the gospel and what that can do in their small town. So finding, training, and supporting small town pastors is what I'm thinking about. And when you say finding, it's not simply you're going to go out somewhere, you're going to go into you know, the big city and and find people who are willing to go out there. That might that might be part of it, but you're also thinking of how do you how do you identify even people who are in those, you know, local congregations that can, you know, the Lord has gifted them and might be calling them to ministry and actually kind of that second point, the the tr- the training aspect. How do we actually raise these men up and equip them for this work? Yeah, right. So it it could it could be both. It could be you know, somebody is burdened. They they aren't maybe aren't even from a rural area, but they're hearing about this, and they're like, "Man, I, I feel burdened to go into a context like that." Yeah. It, it could be like that. Yeah, um, I just I want to. If there are men who, according to the Bible, are qualified to be pastors who did not go down the the social river, who did not flow to the city for a better job or bigger education or something, but are there, but they are qualified biblically to be pastors especially if they had some training I want to find those guys um, just because I don't think at this point most of the men who did go down the river went to seminary and bible college end up turning around and coming back for the same reasons I told you often not for any fault of their own they never even looked back up the river it's not like they looked up and then said no I would never do that they just don't even consider it there's just a flow from small towns to cities um, and it, it takes some conscious effort to say, what was happening there matters, so let's go back and support what was happening there. Walk back upriver and, and stay there. And so I just want to, I'd love for men to do that, come from the city back. That's, that's great. But I also just want to, I think the, the work that needs to be done is let's also look to find men who are already there and are going to stay there. Yeah. 
Um, and pray that God does that. Jesus says, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Cool. Well, is there anything else you want to say uh, in closing? You have a lovely voice. You too, Joe. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Mm-hmm.